get started. Whenever you guys are ready, we're rolling. Okay. Hey. So I am a working man, but I ain't worked for a while, like some old tin can from the bottom of a pile, from the bottom of a pile. I have lost my weight, but I hear to tell about heaven in Alberta, where they've got all hell in the basement. <laughs> thank you thank you very much jason why didn't you join in wendy you should have joined in no you didn't want to oh you, you don't want to hear me sing oh come on we've all done it including myself and trust me i i can't sing i know how to do a podcast and i know how to build but i can't sing <laughs> well, i sing other songs <laughs> so welcome welcome to the show i really appreciate you guys being on the show i know you guys are in grand prairie so all the way out west or mid uh alberta so that's where you guys are and off mic just before we got started Jason was kind enough to tell me that it's like minus 25 there right now. Yeah, pretty and, cold. And we got a foot of snow in the last three days. You know, Friday, uh, Manny, we're talking to crew Friday. Uh, they were mowing lawns, getting rid of all the leaves and stuff on Friday. Saturday morning, they were, they were shoveling a foot of snow. So that's kind of how it is up here. It changes so fast. We're I think I've, I've seen that once. I think I've seen that once in my lifetime here in Toronto. Uh, and I never want to see it ever again. So minus 25 is bitter. It's coming. I know it's coming yeah, it's to us. Coming. Yeah. Mind you, all the all the oil wells and all the flare stacks are going to warm it up before it gets there too. <laughs> all right. So a couple. I want to do a shout out to uh, Mike Campbell, good friend. He's been on the show before. Integra uh, Bell. I'm wearing his hoodie, his logo, and everything that, that is on there. So I just want to do a shout out to him. And then I want to let everybody know that we're talking to Jason and Wendy. Uh, they're from 780. Is it 780 or how does it pronounce? Like how do you guys 780 or is it 780? Sorry. 780 Handyman. Oh, 780. Yeah. Oh, yeah just yeah. like the air. We're losing you. Yeah. It's kind of the audio is going in and out. Is that the case? Or? It's Grand Prairie. Okay, there. Yeah, the audio. Okay, so 780 Handyman in Grand Prairie. And then you guys are the franchise partners and the owner and manager. 35 years. And the website is www.780handyman.com. And the email is gp at 780handyman.com. And on Instagram, it's 780handyman Grand Prairie. That's all you guys. But there's, an, there's another one in Alberta. There's one in Edmonton as well, right? Uh, there's nothing in Edmonton. No, they're oh, looking okay. for a franchise partner. We only started, uh, we launched January 1st of this year uh, as a franchise partner. I've been in construction for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, born and raised, you know, third generation carpenter. Same with Wendy. Wendy's had a, uh, her dad was at a big construction company here in Grand Prairie for years and years. Yeah. I was raised a construction brat. Well, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with it. <laughs> That's all it is, right? So on today's show, we're going to talk a lot about what you guys do with 780 and how you guys got into that and, and how that market is out West. And then uh, we'll just go rambling from there. So do you want to just start the show and, and just get us your, your introduction? Sure. Uh, Kate, you want to go first? How we actually got into 780 Handyman was because of you. Well, you, you planted the seed. How's that? I'd like to, Kate, it's not every day that another woman blames me for something. <laughs> oh no, no thank you uh, i try to tone it down to about once a week only right so okay all right well what did i do this time you brought it into our minds or into jay's mind that um if he ever wanted to retire we just have to close the doors to our company that we had because he was the company and now we have an asset that if when we want to retire we can sell which is very very cool yeah, you know for when you're first because i listen to all your podcasts and stuff and Thanks. and and 
uh, a lot of the podcast, they mentioned your retirement plan, your, your, you know, how, what are you going to do after, uh, we have rentals and stuff and yeah, so that's, that's kind of what we did. Sorry. I didn't mean to take the spotlight. Nope, Go ahead and, okay. and we'll, we'll talk about, uh, yeah, which is very clever. Yep. And I, I plan on doing a lot more shows where I want to start bringing uh, some investments and advisors and consultants and talking about all that stuff. Because as you probably heard on the show several times, I've already admitted over and over that this industry is a perishable career. Uh, we only have so many years of it that we can do it. I mean, we can do it for as long as we want. But I mean, we want to be happy and we want to enjoy our later years as well, too. So if we can build something that could be handed off to somebody else all the best. That's what we wanted to achieve. Right. So it's good that you guys are doing that. Yeah. And that's, that's how, that's why we started. Uh, you know, for example, my dad, uh, he was, uh, 68, I think he was 68 years old, <clears throat> retired, you know, on a pension, we're constructing all of his life. Yeah. You know, he worked in construction. He was commercial and commercial concrete. Um, so anyway, he was, uh, when he retired, they don't give very much attention apparently, you know, after years and years, so they had nothing. Yeah. So, and Calgary, you know, the expenses go up and everything, and he didn't know really what to do. And we have, we had rentals, we had other properties. So we brought him up uh, so he can work on the, on the rental properties, doing lawns and maintenance. And it was perfect for a part-time job. Um, and this is when we had our old company, the insurance restoration for 15 years straight. Uh, and uh, so he said, you know, uh, Jason, it, it was the best job I've ever had, you know, being a handyman. Uh, and then, and then things slowed down. Um, and we can talk about that after, but, uh, and that's, yeah, we launched 780 Handyman. We joined up with the Handyman group and uh, here we are. So how many friends, yeah. like uh, how many are there? I guess they're all over North America, right? Uh, I think, well, we just launched about, uh, I think they started about five or six years ago. It's third, there's 30 around, uh, I think there's 30 in Canada, um, and then they're opening up in Florida. They're looking at, uh, you know, it's just, it's expanding. It's exploding all over the place. Because nobody, nobody wants to, nobody wants a little job, small job that repairs. I get and, those and emails all the time. I get all kinds of emails. I got one yesterday yeah. where someone was asking me, you know, anybody who can come in and just hook up a hood, uh, a hood for a stove. It's just for a condo and nobody wants to do it. I'm like, every construction person I know doesn't want to touch it. Unless you're a family yeah. or a friend that's helped you move the body, you ain't touching it. Like, it's just, that's how it works in construction. So it's hard to find those people. It is very hard. It is. Yeah. It's hard to find a respectable company. Yeah. You know, somebody that you want to clean your home. Um, somebody that's going to be dependable. Um, there was a, there's definitely a niche in the market everywhere for that. Okay. So I want to backtrack guys a tiny bit. So you guys both come from construction and it's only been a few years that you jumped onto handyman here, but before that, what were you guys doing in construction? All of it. Well, (laughs) how we started, well, I I grew up, my dad, he was like, I say a construction worker part-time, you know, I'd always help on weekends and and nights, uh, doing construction. It was, you know, right out of, I was still in junior high. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, he was, you know, I never, I seen what he went through in construction to do commercial concrete. He would come home, his knuckles were all bloody. You know, back then it was, it was hard. Like, it was hard work. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to be in construction. You know, it, it was just, I, it, it was a bad taste in my mouth. You know, you get home, I'm just dead beat, tired. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of, right out of high school, I went into uh, a marine, marine mechanics. You know, something totally, you know. Uh, something less seasonal, <laughs> I guess, in Alberta. Yeah. Uh, apparently, not the way. 
Uh, I didn't like it. I've always had a construction background, so I went back into construction. <clears throat> um, uh, and, you know, with the experience, you can get a job anywhere in Alberta, really. Yeah. <clears throat> so, in construction. Yeah. And I, I uh, started working the concrete. You know, it, same thing, you know, it was just the way that uh, everything comes back to you. And uh, so I started doing basements and and in Edmonton and, uh, you know, did that for a while. And, you know, I didn't, I still didn't really want to go in construction. What, what changed my mind, Manny, was uh, we were, we were cribbing basements and uh, we had no pumper trucks. We had no, nothing like that. It was all wheelbarrow. It was all wheelbarrow. The, the, uh, the concrete trucks were, back tires were hanging off the, the edge. It was residential, yeah. you know, off the banks. It, like you would never get away with that today. But I seen a framer one time. He, he, we were doing basements. There's framers there. He came down in the middle of summer, and this guy, you know, he had the wooden handles, and they're they're hitting against the uh, the polars and stuff. And he got that sound, the clunking sound. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, coolest looking guys, like some of it out of Star Wars, right? <laughs> and just like that. Uh, and I've been doing it ever since. Nice. Yeah, I was uh, that. I was, yeah, so, yeah. And then Wendy, so, what, what's your what's your side of it? How do you, I know it's in the family, and you you pretty much touch upon everything. My dad, he came up from Vancouver. He went to Edson first, and they came here. He did painting, and then he did Wapiti construction. And uh, I was the youngest of five, and I was the hellion. And he wanted to keep me out of trouble, so every summer I got put to work, like either digging fence post holes. Sometimes the fence didn't even ever go up, but uh, yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. And then when I uh, when I got older, I worked in the bars, following live music around for a while. And when that just kind of lost its taste, I just I was with Jay, and I love construction. I just I it's I like the fact you can go by somewhere. I in Grand Prairie, I can go by somewhere and still say, "Hey, my dad built that," and I just love it. Sense of pride yeah. when you're driving around and seeing what you had a you had a hand, literally a hand in 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 doing, right? Yeah, very yeah. much. Yeah. And how Doesn't is the construction? How is the sorry? How, are we breaking up in and out, or I'm just trying to? It might be my voice because I'm, I'm not really. Bad. No, no, no. It's not. You were actually sounding better. It kept on breaking in and out. But is that our end or? Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Okay, so I got to just be more conscious of not speaking over you guys because when you guys are talking, I'm canceling your audio. So we'll just have to wait and, and break it up a little bit. So it's no big thing, no big thing. I just don't want to lose the conversation. If we start going and all of a sudden there's great talk going on, I don't want to lose it. Um, okay, so sorry, Wendy, I interrupted you. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's it's that whole driving around and seeing something that you literally had a hand in and, and building it, right? Yeah, like there's not very many jobs that you can go by years afterwards and know that you still made it a better place. Yeah. And then how long, yeah. so, so uh, tell me again, so you guys pulled the trigger on uh, leaving the business and leaving that side of the industry and getting to handyman side. That was how long ago now? Well, we started, uh, we had a, uh, we're, I was working construction. This was back in 2002. Uh, we're working for a company. Uh, can I do a big shout out? Of course. You can do as many shout outs as you guys want. Sure. I was working for an amazing company here in Grand Prairie, Kayshawn Sons. Okay. Uh, amazing people. Um, but they, a couple of friends of mine, uh, they, they approached us and they wanted to build. And this, at that time, it was it was busy. The economy in Grand Prairie was just booming. Hell of Alberta. It was just, it was just, you can walk down the street, get a job anywhere. Uh, so they wanted to build uh, revenue properties, rental properties. And they approached us and they said, you know, here, why don't we 
uh, here's an opportunity for you. You start your company, you build us your, our revenue property, the rental properties. And it, you know, we'll, we'll throw in in there for you and, and stuff too. Uh, so that's what we did. You know, we, we pulled the plug. It took a little while uh, for us to make that decision. But uh, yeah, we started a company in 2002. Um, building rental properties and, um, you know, fixing little things here and there, uh, handyman, I guess. And then um, the, uh, I think it was 2005, we got all their properties that they wanted done. Uh, and then, like I say, it was still busy. Um, and then another friend of ours, our protest, uh, doing wire shelving in these spec homes. Uh, and I said, yeah, my wife, you know, she, she'd be perfect for that. So she started doing wire shelving and, Man, you know, the Grand Prairie is a small demographic. It's only 68,000 people. But the amount of work that was here, it was just, it was, well, at that time, I think it was probably 40,000. The amount of work that was here, and they were building houses. Late. It was just crazy. It was just, they couldn't find anybody. So we were going down to Edmonton and, and buying like $5,000 worth of shelving every month and bringing it back just so she could install it. Just a wire shelving. So that was, that was part of their thing. That's how we got into Olders. And uh, yeah. I had five housing companies that I did all the shopping for. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was, yeah. a, and then how's the economy Easy. now? Well, at, well, going, going back, um, then we started, I started doing framing and everything else. And, uh, and yes. because we couldn't, we couldn't get, we couldn't do any uh, more framing because they had no basements. They had the, the, there was nobody doing foundations. You couldn't find anybody that they had ads all over the country trying to find people just to come up and work and they couldn't find a crew to do basements. So they said, uh, we're for, I remember sitting on top of a, a roof, sheeting a roof, looking down and looking at my, the last basement that we had a house to frame on, right? And there's lots of work. So they approached us. They said, hey, uh, can you do basements? I, I heard you do, you know, you've done concrete work and foundations. I said, yeah, yeah, we have, but I don't, I, don't have the, I don't have the equipment. I don't have the forms. It's a lot of money. He said, well, what about this ICF stuff that we've been hearing about? I said, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. So they gave me a book. ICF foundation that can you do our foundation so so Manny I was literally reading the book and putting Legos together <laughs> that's based with ICF I think ICF is, is amazing yes. if it's done right yep. he practiced on doing our house yeah it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a brilliant product which brand did you use with, uh, what were you using that was Superform Superform okay Superform. yeah yeah, and we did, uh, so we did about 150 basements with them. Um, they started slowing down, and then we they, they said, well, you know, we're, we're not going to put any more holes in. And they said, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. Uh, let's, uh, what do you got? They said, well, you want to put decks and fences on all those houses. Cause they, they wouldn't sell a house until it was built. Because by the time they built it, it was worth so much more money. We're framing a house. Um, it was just a little stack home. Uh uh, by the time we started doing laying out the plates and everything, uh, we were walking out off that roof. It was forty thousand dollars more for that house when we were finished two weeks later. So it was it, well it was, worth. It was worth it to wait, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and they said they've seen people. They would put a deposit down for ten thousand uh, dollars, you know, to build to buy a house, and they would go buy something else that they liked only because they they couldn't find a house. They walk away from that ten grand. It was, it was, it was crazy. So, I, you couldn't imagine how busy it was up in Grand Prairie and, and pretty much all over like that. So what happened? I mean, was yeah. it, was it the whole oil sands and everything? It just, everything just, once it kind of closed down, everyone was leaving. Where were they going to? 
2009. Grand Prairie is a, is a young community. Um, I think their demographics is, is like 30 some years old. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's uh, a lot of people come in uh, from out of town, uh, you know, to work in Alberta. And that's where that song uh, comes from. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, because it's a lot of people come in, you know, when other, other provinces and, and countries were struggling. They would bring people in to work in Alberta. There's always work in Alberta. Uh, you know, it's hard work. You know, I don't know if anybody's on your podcast has ever worked in the oil field. It's hard work. Like it's hard. Well, um, at least for one guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's so, it, uh, it, it takes a it takes a special kind of person to get into that kind of industry and get work in there because it is pretty extreme. Uh, the work itself. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's no, also no, the no, game. no it, it, like it's not all just the work it's where they have to work and how long they go without seeing any, anybody in their family and then there's the cold and then there's the danger because there's there's a lot of danger um yeah it's i don't i don't knock it at all i would never want to do it myself but um they work they, it's a hard job it takes a special breed yeah yeah, yeah. I, I tried the drill rings a couple years uh, i think it was three years on the drill rings and you know, at that time we had a spinning chain and, and all that kind of stuff. It was it was the coolest job, man. It was awesome. You're with you know a bunch of good friends, and they would do uh, you know they saved your life really out there. Um, there's a bond. Yeah, there's a bond there, yeah. right? Yeah. And when we got out, you know, we had breakup, we get laid off. I would make more on the drillery. I would pay more on taxes than what I would work in construction. You know, we're in the summertime. It was just, it was crazy. But the money was good, but you're away from your family. You know, uh, a lot of people, they say, get in, make your money, get out and do something. Yeah. I, I remember we're driving down the highway and I, I heard, uh, I think it was the, um, I heard the, uh, mayor. The, the mayor saying that Grand Prairie is so busy right now. Forget about school. Go make your money in the patch. Right out of high school. You I know? heard this three times. Yeah. From the mayor. Go make your money. And then go back to when it slows down. He says, don't close any doors or burn any bridges, but you want to go to school to get a job? Well, the jobs are there now. Go get the job. Go back to school. Well, so you're going to have an influx of workers come in about a month <laughs> when I'm playing. Because <laughs> you're I'm going to go make six cookies a year right out of high school. Did it yeah. work? Is it working? Are the people coming in? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's busy now. Like Ridiculously busy. The same thing. Uh, it's busy, but in construction, because the interest rates are... Uh, you know, kind of slow down all the building and stuff right now. So, uh, but, but going back in 2009, uh, that's when it slowed down. You know, everybody pulled the plug, they shut off the tap and construction. Um, so then that way, um, and going back to 2002, we did some insurance claims for the, for the people that we did rental properties for. The adjusters knew who we were. So in 2009, we went back into full-time into insurance claims. And we did that for 15 years. Yeah. How was that world? Um, it's really reassuring, actually. Private okay. sector is terrifying for me, but um, when there's insurance, money's always there. You just have to make people happy. And we're pretty good at that. The insurance, uh, the insurance, you put it back the way it was, so that was pretty simple. Um, the, the adjuster, the insurance company, didn't care if it was right. Uh, that kind of bothered me, you know. So we we would always go that extra mile, only because we were we were just putting it back together, so we had that little buffer. Uh, you know, to do it right, you know, to to make the people happy. You're still working for the customer. You're still working for the people. You're still in their houses. 
you know, so we had to, uh, we had to make it, yeah, make it look good for them. It's interesting, um, yeah. and, I, and I don't want to knock the adjusters, but it's like I know a lot of guys that are in construction that have come from that insurance side, and it's um it's kind of um a very quick, harsh crash course into construction. Like you, you're given a set budget, you're given a set time, you're given specific materials, and then you just got to get it done. But it's really interesting how, and I'm not knocking the adjusters, is they, they forget that there's people at the end of this invoice. Like there's a home and a family, right? And I think that it's like you guys and everybody else that gets into construction, that family is at the front of the invoice. They're not at the back of the invoice. And it's just really weird. And that's why I could never be a adjuster. I could not I'd never do certain jobs because of that, because I still have that family looking back at me, right? That's the best compliment doing that is sometimes, like most of the times they're selling the house or it's rental property or whatever. But when they turn around and take it off the market because they love their house all over again for after we're done, that just, that's the best. You know, for a thousand dollar deductible, whatever the deductible is, they got a brand new kitchen or a brand new basement. You know, that's what we love. If Would we... You know, but we never, when everyone is in, uh, into the private sector, we always just concentrated because we were getting paid by the insurance company. Um, the adjusters, you know, we always we just worked for the local adjuster. We didn't work for the, you know, the, the big insurance companies and everything else. But it was, it was awesome. Like it was, it was a good run. Uh, would I go back to it again? Absolutely. You know, with the handyman group. Um, yeah, it was just, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. So now um, yeah. you guys are shifting gears now and getting into this thing. Um, is it much different there compared or is it a common theme across the whole country that everybody's going through the exact same thing? Are You guys have a shortage of labor. Uh, you're getting clients that are possibly asking about lower prices. Like everything is, it's just consistent, right? Is that what we're talking about? Um, well, we made a, we made a shift uh, uh, during COVID. Uh, and that's that's kind of how we because uh, we were never in the, in the we, we never seen that side of things. We had our crew uh, sub trades were a little hard to get when it was uh, busy. Insurance company, you know, a lot of things were subbed out. Um, when COVID hit, um, all the a lot of insurance adjusters got laid off around in our area, the ones we worked for. So we went into in house adjusters um, with the big insurance companies because everybody's working at home. So why not? They weren't allowed on the, on the construction site, on the, on the sites, on the claims. So they would just go by pictures. So it all went to the big companies. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, there was a major shift in what we ended up Like we were sitting at home, we were sitting at the table. Like, what do we do? You know, what are we going to do now? Um, uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then that's how we started. But the, the shortage of labor, you know, uh, really we didn't see that up until, uh, COVID. Hey, the shortage of labor, yeah, it's, uh, he's being modest. He's an excellent, excellent boss. Whenever he asks anyone to work for him, they're happy to come. Good. He's just being modest. Good. All right. I want to ask, sorry. It is hard to compete with that oil field mentality, the, the wages. Uh, it's like our, our journeyman carpenter makes more than a guy right out of high school or makes less than a guy right out of high school working in oil field. Like, how do you compete to that? Other than, you know, you're home every night. You're, you know, you're eight hours. You can have breakfast with your kids and you suffer with your kids. And I think there's a lot more honorable. So why do they still have the, uh, the, the, the oil sands mentality? Or like, are we not realizing that that's history now? Like, that's part of the past. And now we need to start looking forward to the future and try to figure out what's, what's next and what to do and how to do it. 
Yeah, like you mean as far as like the all the electric stuff coming in? And yeah, just everything. Off, just yeah, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, like all kinds of stuff that are is is changing the landscape. I just I, I guess all the junior trades that are coming into the business, they're trying to hang on to what was, and we can't do that. We have to look at what's going to be. Yeah, and it's been like that for generations. Like you know, as you well, Danny, how old are you? You're, you're Me, I'm, I'm going to be 51 soon. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty-one. Yeah. Yeah. So remember when we were younger, our parents are the guys, the guys we worked for, they said the exact same thing. You know, there's uh, you know, what's wrong with you kids? Like, you know, you never do it like we used to do it. And, uh, and we're saying the same thing now. So it's, it's always a shift. There's always, I think there's always be that, um, that, that industry, there's always be work. There's always be demand. There's always, you know, everything's changing all the time. And we just, you got to learn to, to adjust, to, to just pivot on my foot and, and go in a little different, same direction, but uh, maybe a little bit uh, instead of north, northeast. We were watching, oops, sorry, we were watching a podcast and you were asking what, what the people you were talking to thought the next big thing was going to be. Yes. I, I have my own theory on it and I think it's going to be like transforming furniture. Like something that it, it doubles as this, it can also do this, you unfold this or that. Or like the tiny house nation or tiny house movement is one thing, but I do believe it's transforming furniture. Um, like, like the little tr trundle beds, ones that fold into the wall, those are going to come back in because it's just it's convenient. It takes up less space. Things are going to let be less showy and more cool. <laughs> well, no, I agree with you. I, we just did a show recently with uh, with uh, a container architect engineer. He was back on the show and he showed us a lot of projects that he's been working on and stuff that's going on and, and it's expanding. Everything's growing now and I think people are going to get smarter. They're going to get clever with the way they build things and it's going to get all filtered down to regular construction at that point. They have to. Yeah, yeah. they have to. You know, everybody wants a bigger home. It seems like they want the bigger home. Not so, me, yeah. man. Like I don't like I sometimes I walk around and I'm like, there's too much space in here. Like I just I would move a wall and do that, but I can't do it because then now you start changing a bunch of structural stuff. I don't I, I mean, the house is from the 80s, so it was designed a certain way. But I, I, I I'm a fan of like the Toronto homes. They're very like you, Toronto homes are maybe 15, 17 feet wide. Right. Like, so you could basically get one room staircase and an aerial hallway. That's what you get. That's your width. Right. But I mean, the homes of today, they're too big. So I think they got to start making them smaller. Uh, I just wish that they would make them smaller, but better us all. So if we can try to make them better, I do yeah. want to ask you guys a question about, I know, I don't know if you heard the show with uh, uh, Royce and Steve, the drywallers recently, that was like maybe a couple of yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. He was talking about some mud from out West. I think he mentioned Alberta, but it, I, I forgot the name of the mud. And he says, you can only get it out by you guys. And he said it was the best mud ever all across Canada. And that's the mud. And it, it's not here. I don't think you can get it here, uh, but I don't remember the name of it. Was that the Cinco? Cinco mud? That sounds familiar. I think that sounds familiar, yeah. And that's yeah. out there, right? It is, yeah. The finished mud is made. It's really oh, it's yeah. nice and smooth. It smooths yeah. really. Yeah, it's really nice. I got to try it one day. I, I'm not a mudder, yeah. but I got to try it one day. <laughs> we'll, send, we'll send you a box. Send, yeah, but what is it? A, it's a 30-kilogram box? <laughs> sorry, sorry? So, yeah, it'll be a pretty, pretty hefty bill on shifting. Uh, uh, no, shipping. Don't do it. Wait until I make a road trip. Wait until I make a road trip and I come out that way. 
All right, guys, let me let me do a little history and construction here. So uh, history of the handyman. This is going to be interesting. Uh, the, occupation, uh, the occupation of handyman originated from peddlers. Dating back to the 13th century, traveling vendors world tour, would tour the countryside hoping to sell their goods. They traveled on foot and carried their wares on their backs. And only the wealthiest of them used beats, beasts. Beast of burden instead. Occasionally, peddlers would need a little extra money to get their wares to the next village or small town, so that they would approach homes and businesses looking for odd jobs to do in exchange for extra profit. Peddlers developed a wide range of skills for this reason, and over time, the term handyman began uh, being used since the men were handy to have around. I thought that was basically a husband. Isn't that the story there, behind there? No. <laughs> After peddling, <laughs> after peddling lost uh, uh, some popularity, the handyman became uh, less of an occupation and more of a way to refer to someone who was skilled in multiple trades. For example, an electrician who knows how to fix leaky faucets or a plumber who can change light fixtures. Just don't tell the plumbers and electricians that. That's all. Today. So that was just a little history of the, on the definition because even I didn't know the definition of, uh, technically speaking, of handyman. Yeah, a handyman, the jack of all trades, the master of none. Basically, basically. But How long has the group been around? How long they've been doing it? I think uh, they're going on their sixth year. I think. Okay. Group. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're great people, amazing people. Like a lot of support. They're always there for us. I mean, we can send an email. They have. Yeah, that, that's where the franchise uh, concept comes in. I mean, we have three franchises we can talk to. We got advice. We get advice to from anybody. We're kind of we're kind of secluded up in Grand Prairie, so really we don't. There's not a whole lot of, you know, people you just can't knock on the door and get advice on them. But just a phone call away or a Zoom meeting away is uh, we got all this experience. And they gather like once a month on on Zoom, of course. But yeah, and they all just chit chat. And every Thursday we meet with franchise boss. And I yeah, love that share right? idea. Yeah, so it's it's not so much of competition as much as a community, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason why we started the handyman because we did the insurance stuff, so we we were never. We're more of a uh, organizer, general contractor with the insurance. Like a lot of it was subbed out, you know. Um, so we did, the, you know, small jobs, hung doors. We, we did a little thing. So when it stopped, we were really never um, a master of one trade. You know, we always hired the the roofers or the the, the, the big drywalling companies or the flooring companies. So we we never really. Never really did that. We were there. We know what it looks. We're supposed to look like. We know, you know, what the end product was supposed to look like. So that's that's kind of why we started the handyman thing. But you know, uh, looking at that, when you're in somebody's house, you just can't hang a door half-assed, right? You just can't put on a uh, put in a window half-assed. You gotta you gotta do it right professionally. Um, and uh, you know, people are paying you know, a lot of money for that. So we we have to take our time. Where we shine is we're not going to be the fastest guy in the in the house, but we can hang the door. Uh, we can put on a piece of trim. We can paint the wall. Um, you know, we can install a light all at the same time. So that's kind of how our concept. Half ass is the husband's luxury. I wanted to ask you guys, I, I, is there a line? Because I even know when you're describing this, I know with Jeremy from Fix-It Friend here in Toronto, he's got kind of a line where there's only so many things he does. But, I mean, you guys are hanging doors. Like, at what point do you tell the client, ah, it's a little bit out of our kind of wheelhouse? Or is there a point that you reach there? 
Well, we also do the, we do the big jobs and stuff too. We okay. sub it out, you know, bringing the subtrades from the insurance. We all know we know a lot of the subtrades. Um, but our, our concept, like if it's a small job, we only do anything after the line, like after the electrical box, we'll hook up a light, but we won't rewire it. Uh, you know, we'll hook up a set of taps, but we won't change the plumbing underneath kind of thing. We always hire that out or recommend somebody to, to do that. Uh, I don't know about insurance. I just don't feel comfortable with it. You know, um, you know just because doing insurance claims, you know, we could put a bad taste in our mouth. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you wonder, what's is that, is that a drip I hear? Or, you well, know, we, I just, yeah, I know. We've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. So, you know, just saying that, just a liability and just seeing so much that could go wrong, um, just leave it up to professionals. I haven't been able to have a candle burning in the house for 15 years. <laughs> so. Why is that? Because you go into too many fire um, insurance claims. It's like just, it, he can't sleep at night if ever. You got me nervous now, Wendy, because I, I personally, I love doing that. And, and I'm even working on my family room thinking <laughs> I'm going to like not put sconces there. I'm going to put candle holders there instead. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'd only light it when I'm there. I would never light it and leave it because, yeah, that's just going to happen, right? Uh, it's all log we have logs big log staircase uh, uh, (laughs) very flammable yeah yeah no curtains (laughs) yeah well we live in we live in a farm on country so uh our neighbors yeah they're we're in the middle of nowhere so yeah horses don't care no they won't care no horses don't so where do you guys want to take it now i'm assuming that you, you do you guys get your leads from them or you guys are sourcing out your own leads as well? We get a little bit that reach out to us. Okay. Uh, like bigger, you know, the bigger, um, uh, like the bigger restaurants, the bigger chains, you know, the mall chains. Uh, a lot of the stuff we, we brought from what we did before, referrals, uh, but they showed us how to market, you know, coming from, uh, from what we used to do, I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about computers. We're running around with a van with a, you know, signs on it. We were told to get just put a little sign up because you're you're scaring the children in, in the school zone. So we put a little sign in uh, from our old company, just you know, just to save make it aware. So we didn't know anything about marketing, right? So they showed us how marketing is huge, huge. If, if if all you're doing is word of mouth, and then you know that industry's gone, you're stuck with nothing. So if you if you market it, even if you don't need the work, uh, eventually it's going to run out. You know, the mom and pop shops, that's, uh, you know, the, uh, the COVID hit, hit them hard. And when things slow down, like, I don't know if you guys are in a recession yet or not, but. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about it. I just, uh, even driving over here, I was getting a message from somebody and uh, he was just asking me, how do, how do you feel uh, about what's going on or what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, you you heard the show, man. I've, I've said the recession word for the last year and a half. I've been saying the recession word, right? I just saying it's coming. Something's coming. I just don't know what it is exactly how it's going to be. I just been telling people just prepare for it. And if it doesn't happen, then great. You're prepared for it. But if it does happen, then you're prepared for it, right? So it, it's just, I think that a lot of guys are busy. I think a lot of tradespeople are busy. I don't think they're making a lot of money. I think that's 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 the picture that's being painted right now. And just back to your marketing point, don't be so concerned, guys. That uh, and I agree with you. That's a hundred percent. Marketing is completely important in this industry. Um, 
but everybody in construction has a hard time with marketing. They don't know how to position themselves. I know a lot of tradespeople talk about word of mouth and that's how they get all their work. But technically, if you were to dissect it, that word of mouth was somehow connected to planting a seed somewhere that was attached to some sort of marketing. Whether that be a post that you guys share on social media or an expression shared on the podcast or something like that, that technically is marketing. You have your, your decals on your vans or your work trucks or whatever, that's marketing. A signage on the street, that's marketing. Everything, it's all connected. It gets you the word of mouth, but that's the starting point of marketing. If you can actually just spend the time and effort like kind of working that marketing you'll benefit greatly over the word of mouth oh for sure and then when it does slow down <clears throat> like you've been doing this for a long time you've seen the depths of you know the slow times the busy times it goes up and down that's the way it's been like that for years and years and years uh, but if you have the market the word of mouth um you know you get that it's, it's a lot easier to say no to a job that comes in because we get called like, so many calls during the day but i know that's going to slow down with the economy but it's easier to say no to a job than it is to say no to your employees. Say, you know, we don't have any work this week. Um, you know, you're going to, you know, you know, it's hard. It's hard to say uh, to the employees, you know, you're going to have to, you know, uh, cut down on their food bill or, or whatever. I don't want that. I don't want that kind of uh, conversation. You so, don't want, I, yeah. I agree. I'm the same way too. I, and I would tell anybody that's in the business and they're concerned about the slowdown or something's potentially going to happen, I would start talking about when you have those downtimes, for whatever reason, if you're doing a concrete pour, if you're, you, you don't have to physically be there or you have to be there just to supervise, but you don't have to lift anything. I would like start thinking, start coming up with a list, a grocery list of other ideas that you can do that could attract potential work outside of what you currently have. If you can come up, it doesn't matter. And it's not about a right or wrong. It's just like, just spitball some ideas. Just go, okay, what if I, I don't know, said hello to somebody in the grocery store and they, or I was wearing a hoodie and my logo's on there and I made sure that they paid attention to it or something like that and they saw it and, they, and then all of a sudden, maybe I shared some construction advice to somebody, some stranger, something. Just start thinking outside the box and then you never know, that might turn into a lead. It's better than you just staying quiet and not doing anything and hoping that your work is going to continue because of word of mouth. That's right. Yeah. Every, every household has a honey-do list. So it, it's, it's just getting the having to find out that there's someone actually around that can do it for them now. And with, with the handyman trade, there's so many uh, handyman out there that are under the radar. You know, they're, they're off of... Uh, the marketplace or Kijiji or you know they're, they're just they don't have the insurance or the WCB it's WCB here okay. but you know what I mean? like, you know the, the $20 an hour um, guys work for cash there's so many out there so you have to and some of them are pretty good you know they're really good but they're only focused on you know what they can do personally uh, so they're 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 limited but the the marketing is where you kind of shine out the hub and then working for the great big you know the bigger businesses they need all those uh requirements and everything so um yeah it's where the marketing you know it shines for sure you know it's uh, you've been at gc right so you you get this game before and uh, as i was doing the show and every time i talk to more and more trades i'm always fascinated and envious uh, of them being the specific trade and not having to worry about being the quarterback and then having to deal with the final payment and not receiving it and all that kind of crap, right? And I remember speaking, it was Paul. It was Paul from Kitchen Fix It, uh, Fix It Kitchen, and also Jeremy 
I was envious of them because they actually took a lot of pride in being a handyman, going in and solving a problem. Something's wrong in the house and they come in, they already are aware of what needs to be done. They do the homework before they show up. They bring all the stuff that they need and then they get it done and then they're happy, homeowners happy, they leave and they move on. Versus being a GC, that headache continues for years and years and years. Jobs could be stretched out. Other problems can happen, all this other stuff. But then you get individual trades going in and here's my scope of work. Here's my scope of work. And then you complete it and you get out. You complete it. And I'm very, very, at, the older I get and the longer I get into this business, I'm very envious of that because it's, it's, you get to the end. It's beginning, middle and end that I love about it. And we always want to try to get to the end and serve the product to the client and then they enjoy it. Yeah, and you always got to think outside the box. You run into things that you you open that wall, and uh, you know there's so many things that it's, you know huh. uh, that you that you run into, and you got to fix it. You know you got to just fix it, carry on. Don't just you know don't say you know a lot of are subject. And I hate the job. I hate the word. It's not my job. You know I hate <laughs> the phrase my job. It just that just makes me so mad. You know we had an electrician one time uh, tell us, well, it's a lot cheaper for you to clean up than it is for me to clean up. Now that was the last time he said that. He got a bill for she cleaned it. She he got a bill for cleaning. He actually you know, said that. He said that. That him saying that is why I billed him. Yes, and he can't afford me. Yeah, I would have like, I would have photoshopped the tombstone with those words and handed it to him. I go, this is done. You're done. I'm gone. See you later. You're, I'm never going to work with you again. Like that's yeah, and he, yeah. like he's in business. But you know, but just being a GC like yourself. It you you see that all the time, oh. and it's uh, it's it's the end product. You know, you could sit back, have a beer, and uh, with with the client, and it's just shake their hands, and you got basically a friend for life. You know, the walk service goes well, but yeah, well, um, yeah. Sorry, like less than a month ago, Jay had a, we had a customer. They wanted a shower, a certain shower that wasn't in stock for at least six months. So Jay found a one piece shower that he could buy at the time. But then they can get in the house. So he just cut a hole in the exterior wall and put in the shower. <laughs> I'm rather proud of this. You <laughs> <laughs> get the two-piece and you have to bring it to the house when, uh, when the house is built on a rental. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you figure it out. You find a way. So we cut it out and uh, put the siding and everything back. We were drywalling anyway, mudding and taping. Uh, so, yeah, it worked out good. And my guys, am I fair to say that you guys are working on older homes? For the most part, no. I think the older homes we have one rental that we just uh, did. It was 1959, and that's one of the oldest that we've seen around here. So they're not they're not that much older. Uh, a lot of them are uh, uh, like a grade beam, just a two foot grade beam, mushroomed on the bottom. Uh, so you see a lot of that around, just from the uh, because grandfather is booming at that time. The oil field, so you have to build these houses pretty quick. Okay. Uh, so a lot of them they don't have the foundations. I think those are. Uh, they're starting to get tore down now, you know, because the movement, the frost, and everything is kind of wrecking up. But uh, but still standing, a lot of them are still standing. But uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of uh, old, old, not like Toronto, you know, 100 years old. Yeah. I don't see that. We have come across the houses that their insulation was newspaper. That's <laughs> old enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very Probably old. Because couldn't get it. I'm pretty sure that whoever built the house was just some guy that needed somewhere to live. 
So what are some of the things, guys, that you've discovered? Because we all know that and we talk clients over and over that we're not magicians. We can't see through the walls. And then as soon as we open up a wall, we'll discover certain things, whether that be critter or rot or what have you. Any You guys find anything interesting? I mean, I found bottles, Pepsi, Coke bottles, whatever, from the 40s and 50s. I found newspaper. I found all kinds of things uh, during construction. So you, I, found you found what? Yeah. Sorry? What was that? Oh, really? People, people writing on the wall, inside the walls, um, newspapers, lots of newspapers. That's how we find out how old the house is. Uh, you know, for her growing up in Grand Prairie, she was born and raised here. So she can see that from the 1959, I think was the oldest one we did. Her, 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 um, My brother's group announcement. Yeah, all those things, just from these newspapers that we find inside the wall. But as far as, um, you know, just doing restoration, uh, we have a lot of mobiles up here. Uh, you know, there's a belly. I, I took out half a cat once. Uh, just bring out insulation. Uh, Here's half a cat. Half a cat? Bottom or top? <laughs> or or <laughs> does it matter? Uh, just half a cat. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just things like that. A lot of mice, uh, a lot of ants, a lot of, um, oh, yes, but beehives, a lot of beehives. You know, up in the attic. Oh, I don't know. You know, if. if do you ever find anything with a screw-on cap? Don't unscrew it. Just dispose of it. Yeah, we've never really <laughs> seen. Well, we actually, we, why is uh, that? Hang on. Why? Why? Why is that? Why? What? what you don't know what's inside. <laughs> you eh? don't want to know what's in it. You just really don't. And you don't want to know what's inside. You don't need to discover no. it. It's nope. just resist the temptation to unscrew that cap. Exactly. I want to yeah, quickly just go back, Wendy. Uh, did did what did you or did you remember what the love letter said? Did you keep the love letter or did you hand it off to homeowner? Uh, it was uh, something. It was Marianne. I was think, thinking of you, Marianne. I can't wait to see you. It was just. It was really sweet. I have a, I have a picture of it. Anyway, oh, do you really? Uh, it was a. It was a love letter um, to his girlfriend. Obviously, it was the guy that that came up here for work. It was a love letter to his girlfriend, uh, you know, back home or something. Madison, I think, was her name. Uh, had a heart and an arrow through it. Uh, so, yeah, it was pretty sweet. We took a picture. We, we cut it out and we stayed. Uh, we tried to find the people, but we, we can't find Was there them, a so. date? Was there a date on it or anything? No. Well, the date was because the house, that was the one where we found the newspapers. It was 1959. It was the, yeah, yeah, just before Christmas. So, yeah, I imagine he's up here for Christmas, working on the house through Christmas. You know, back then it was hard. It was it was tough. You know, you didn't have the cell phone. Water. And, yeah, no morning water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was, it was pretty, pretty special to find stuff like that. Uh, but saying that, we we, uh, we are doing some work over just the handyman stuff at, uh, like, a homeless shelter. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. What we find behind those walls. Lots. Yeah. Lots yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's uh, it's pretty neat, you know, the, the history when you open up the wall, the history and uh, well, you guys, get, built yeah, you guys are being a part of history now because now you've got your hands on it and now you guys are fixing it, and then it's going to be a while before somebody else comes along and have to fix it and take care of it, or probably that section of it, but other parts of the home you might have to fix and go from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And every if we do renovations, sometimes we'll leave cards, our cards in. So the next trade or the next uh, renovation, they'll they'll see that, and hopefully, you know, maybe we'll be around before you do this for another 15, 20 years. But uh, yeah, it'd be nice to have just to you know be part of that, and uh, they can they can see well that guy did that, and you know we we'll probably have cell phones still 
Give us a call. <laughs> so uh, now uh, it's just the two of you guys working on the projects, and then you you don't have any employees. It's just all subs if things get too big. No, he's got employees. We have employees. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, uh, we have two full time handyman, uh, two part time. Uh, myself and then my daughter. Uh, she's upstairs. She didn't want to come on the show. She's okay. a little nervous. <laughs> okay. Uh, but she does. She's the brain, the the heartbeat of the company. She does all the scheduling. She gets all the calls. Uh, she gets everything ready. Uh, yeah, she's. Uh, I wish she could be on. You know, she has so many things to tell. Uh, but she's. If you at, if you call uh, our office, she's the one on the phone. Yeah. If you catch Jay, he'll he's telling your sob story no matter what, no matter how many hours he's worked already, he'll go do it because he likes you. He hears your sob story. Shelby's like, nope, schedule it. <laughs> Go online, schedule an appointment. She she is brass balls, I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm not allowed to do anything with the schedule anymore. She does it all. So you're you just, know, just you're just told the schedule and you're, you're told the scope and then you go to it and you take care of it and that's it. She hears the story or she tells you the story? She doesn't tell you the story. Oh, she, she cares about their story, but she she's she's just got a heart of stone. I don't know how she does well, it. No, no, like there's she knows what's coming up. Like right now, we're book, booked a month in advance uh, with, with with everybody. Uh, so if something comes in, if an older lady, um, like somebody retired, you always want to help them out. You know, we could do it after hours or something. It's just you know, it's just that the way we are. But it's uh, uh, she she understands that it's you know, her dad's getting tired. You know, I'm 50, 51 this year, and and uh, I can't work the 16, 18 hours anymore and stuff. So. Uh, you know, uh, let me let me correct you one second there. I just want to let the kids know when you say 16, 18 hours, you're talking about one day. Because anybody who's listening here that's younger, they're thinking a week. Uh, no, it's one day. That's how much work in one day. <laughs> yeah. But like even from, uh, you know, when you commute to work in Toronto, like how far of a commute to work? Like, oh, really, don't, 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 don't. That's just, that's a sore spot. That's like traffic in Toronto is insane and stupid. And I just, I even driving over here, I was just telling Angelina, I was like, this, someone's got to solve this problem. And I don't know how you solve it, but if someone has to solve it, it's brutal. It's really, really bad. We had a lot of friends, like everybody coming, you know, from different parts of the country in Toronto, you know, it's a two hour commute there and back. That's two hours, that's four hours of your day work related. I get DMs, so I get calls, I get texts. It's going to take me an hour and a half just, and this is local. This is a job that's in Toronto and you live in Toronto and you're spending that much time. I mean, even uh, we had Luca here from OHBA and he lives at the foot of Bathurst and Lakeshore and it takes him uh, 35 to 40 minutes to get to Upjohn, which is DVP and uh, Don Mills area. Like that's just ridiculous that it takes that long, and nobody's doing anything about it. I mean, I just, I, I, I really like to know who the civil engineer here is in Toronto, but I, I don't know who it is. Uh, I have no idea because they're not doing their job. That's just, that's the sad part. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I haven't looked into it because they're probably hiding because they would be, uh, yeah. <laughs> Us being in construction, they'd be in concrete, right? So, yeah. <laughs> can't change the commute you got to change what you do with the commute hire a driver and do your paperwork on your way yeah you got to just be more efficient but you don't get paid for you don't get paid for that to commute back and forth like it's gotta be so it's just like grand prairie is known for you know you're 10 minutes from anywhere uh 10 minutes you're across town oh, that's, so it's, that's, but, that's just beautiful <laughs> it is yeah it's amazing we moved out of town we're 20 minutes out of town and people say oh that's 
20 minutes. That's a long ways. That's a, that's such a far. How can you, how can you live so far? It's 20, coming from Edmonton. You know, it's, it, it was an, it was 45 minutes just to get to work right through rush hour and traffic. But it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that traffic was okay. It was reasonable. I think that there's just way too much distractions going on either on it, on the roadway or in the vehicle. Uh, whenever there's a slowdown, everyone goes quickly to their phone and starts checking out whatever's going on there. They're distracted. They're not paying attention. I don't know. I don't, something has to happen. I think it's just, uh, I know we talk in government, people talk about increasing public transit uh, early on. And I don't know if you saw some of my earlier posts when I was messing around doing something creative on my earlier posts on social media. I wanted to do a post where I was going to park a miter saw, table saw, tools, all kinds of boxes right at the bus stop. And I was just going to say, not everybody can take transit. That means us. The construction industry can't take transit. We need to bring tools and we need to bring them. We need to be in a vehicle. And I, I barked. I, I talked about we've got a lot of HOV lanes here. And I did bark saying that we should have, you know, the right to go into an HOV lane to help us get to the next job. But, you know, then all of a sudden, where does it stop, Manny? Then that means doctors should be allowed and lawyers should be allowed. And everybody, no, I'm sorry, they don't. They don't need to be, right? I think contractors that are maintaining the city and working and like you're making it more difficult to bring vehicles and bring materials and get to those services you're building all these structures but you're not thinking about how to maintain those structures later on where it's like you guys come in right that's like it has to be maintained it's nothing is i don't know anything that's built that doesn't have to be maintained everything has to be maintained yeah it's definitely essential um yeah is it just because toronto expanded so fast is it the population that grew so no i think it's just gonna chop it up to pure corruption and political corruption and that's all <laughs> it is i'm gonna chop it up to that one so we'll see if nobody hears from me then they know what happened that's all I'll leave it at, right? But I was going to yeah. say, J J don't kid yourself. I know that you guys help out a lot of people. And, and like we started on the beginning of the show, it's like a lot of contractors won't do these little jobs. Uh, they don't want to hear the sob stories because they have their own families and they have their own friends and they have everything. And then they're already working their, you know, full, their regular job, 14-hour days or whatever it is. But, I mean, don't kid yourself that you are helping. And even though you're not making the top bucks, but you are helping a lot of people with all these problems that – Unfortunately, they uh, there's surprise, surprise. A lot of people in this city, in our, your city, all around the world, that don't have that construction person in their circle, and they don't know. I've met young couples, don't even know how to hang a picture. Like I, I and I'm just blown away by that. It's just we've weird. Had, we've had some. It was an elderly lady, and she was alone, totally alone. She called us to put in a light bulb. Yeah, because, you know, that's the biggest benefit of, you know, you see and you help out people like that, uh, whether we bill them or not, you know, whatever. It's just just to the widowed, the old, the older, retired widow. I know, I know. So it's just, yeah, we, that's, that kind of stuff we usually go after hours and just, hey, you know, this, we'll just take care of that. And sometimes we advise them, can you make a whole list, like a whole bunch of stuff for us to do in that two hours or that whatever? And they just can't believe that someone's coming in and going to fix all these little things that annoy them. It, it's really rewarding, actually. And, and that's what a little handyman, because we never wanted the handyman stuff, the little jobs, small job repairs either, because it was a pain in the ass, really. It was just getting in there. You're not going to make any money. So you have to have a system. That's where we... You know, we tried so many different apps, you know, wondering what to do for the couple of years when COVID, you know, just doing the hand, because we knew there was a market in the handyman thing, but it's hard, like, to have that system to make it work, to make it profitable. Um, yeah, it's tough. Like, I don't know how I'll fix a friend of it, and it's got to be hard to wear all those kind of hats, whereas we have a, a system already 
involved, already ready for us that works as a proven franchise. And uh, yeah, so that's that's really the only way we could but make it's, it possible. It's funny you say that it's your daughter that basically is helping with that whole scheduling thing and organizing thing because that's exactly what Jeremy said. He said the same thing. He's got a person that helps him with that whole thing. He streamlined it with a website, uh, you know, form that you fill out so then they already get an idea of what they have to do. She filters it organizes it puts it on the schedule and gets it going uh and that helps them a lot same way that i'm sure that your daughter is helping you guys a lot to get all that work ready to go oh yeah for sure but saying that i mean there's an expense to that too like yes. she doesn't do it for free of so, so i mean everybody else so you gotta have yeah you gotta have a system less hands-on in the front end uh you know taking the calls and, and that's a full-time job scheduling invoicing estimating uh it's just it's yeah it's tough so you have to have that uh that system that front end stuff somebody there uh to do it because you just can't do it all by yourself you'd be working i mean there's only 24 hours in a day you know you gotta you gotta sleep for a few of them and so. in respect to that the franchise also has like the ones that we zoom meeting with shelby to help her get trained up and and that's she did she was green when she came on and she knows quite a bit now She's got support from everybody. Like she yeah. can reach out to anybody, you know, depending on the time zone, you don't want to call them at five in the morning. <laughs> uh, but she's got a lot of people that she has help with. Yeah. That's where the franchise works. But I mean, you know, saying that it's just that, you know, my hat's off to the the, the mom and pop shops, the, the guys that do it all. Like we've been there, you know, we've been there. We've, we were the bookkeeper. We were the, uh, and it's hard, man. Like it's hard. Their work is one thing. And then there's the paperwork that you do after the, you know, the 12 or 14 hour days. And it's, it's tough. I don't, I don't want to do it. First bookkeeper we had, Jay walked in with a shopping bag stuffed full of credit receipts and said, here we go. We've all done that. Him, yeah. Yeah. He called us back in three days. I couldn't believe it. I was like, are you done? Oh yeah. How? <laughs> it was it's amazing. But you know, Manny, it's, it's nice to see the younger guys start the way we did. You know, like the way the way you did when you first started, it's really uh, nice to see them grow, right? To to turn into a big company because you know the you know the drawbacks and you know the heartaches they've had to go through to get that because everybody has to go through it. Everybody's got to go through it, and uh, it's nice to nice to see that. It's very yeah. nice to see it. I I do have a lot of respect for them, even though a lot of people talk, I guess, negatively about them, but they quickly learn a lot faster than we did when we got started and they're already being introduced to bigger problems because there's always going to be bigger problems and then they have to figure out those problems and then occasionally probably more than occasionally they come to us older guys and ask us how would you solve this and then we can kind of it's give starting. them yeah where do you think the industry is going to go you know with uh, with all these the older guys moving up because i think what is our average trade is 55 it's yeah it's 50 there's a gap there's a gap right now so we've got a lot of 20 somethings coming into the business there's uh yeah. there's a, a hole for all the 30s and 40s um either the 20s don't last and they get out and they go do something else or they start working their way up and then you've got all the 50s and 60s and even some guys in their 70s still uh swinging a hammer um but eventually in the next 10 years you're gonna see a huge void they're all gonna get out and i, I don't know what they're gonna do is that because of the baby boom back, you know, the work is there's that, there's that influx of babies and now it's starting to uh, affect the different generations. It's a bunch of things. I mean, I, we've said it and like these kids of today don't see the value in being in construction 
and I mean monetary wise, right? Like I, I, we we got into it because of the passion. We we have a, a personal satisfaction when we build something, and there is like unless, until you do it, you don't know it, right? And, and like I'm I'm not a golfer. I've never hit a hole in one. I probably never will because I can't stand that game. But everyone that does play that game and they have a passion for it, as soon as they get that hole in one, they're hooked for the rest of their lives. And I get it. I understand it. I've got other things that are. It's the same thing. Once you have a uh, your body, your mind, your soul is all attached to that passion you get that fulfillment you built your first house you achieved this and you have this perfect client and you get all that satisfaction you you stay in it you love it but i think that a lot of the younger kids don't even get to that point where they can achieve that goal and then they get out of it okay so they want that is the satisfaction the gratification that that quick speed speed is something yeah speed is something for sure they don't like doing the physical labor they like making their money sitting down at a computer or you know, I don't know, because we've had younger guys, too. You know, as long as they pull up their pants, uh, they, they work hard, right? You know, they, you know, a few of them, for sure, they don't, um, you know, maybe they don't appreciate what they have. But, yeah, some of them work hard. I thought we were in trouble. But, you know, you know a lot of those kids are, uh, uh, they work hard. But a lot of those kids that work hard, they seem to be from a different family, you know, where they had to struggle. And they had to go there. They didn't have a spoon in their mouth. But, you know, not, not really. We had a we actually had a guy uh, work for us in Concord. We're doing foundations of basements. He was a dental hygienist. Gord was the name. Show it to Gord. A dental hygienist. He hated the he hated the dental industry. He just had enough. You know, he's making a lot of money, um, and he just quit. And he went he went and helped us pour in basements. He loved it. He loved coming to work and you know in the sunshine and uh, uh, it was just that yeah. So I think you know it's just uh, a different maybe you know. People that are university, they, they, they're sick and tired of it, or they got a lot of debt, they got to pay it off, they get laid off, what are they going to do? There's always construction, and it's gratifying. You get that pat on the back, and you can look and see what you did. Um, yeah. So there's there's, uh, there's peer pressure, there's social pressure, uh, I guess there's family pressures. Uh, there's a, a bunch of things going on. I can't even imagine what it would be like a, to be a 20 year old coming into construction. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was a 30-something-year-old getting into construction, and I didn't think about it my age or my inexperience. I just got in because I was passionate about it, and I started trying new things and trying new ideas. But also, it was more challenging, too, because I was always questioning the status quo. I was always questioning why is this done. I mean, we've got, an, we've got a whole population here, a generation that basically can come into construction and figure out new ways of streamlining everything trying to figure out, bring in more tech and try to figure out how we can build more efficiently so you don't have to have all the stories that we're so familiar with. You know what I mean? There's there's new tools being built and designed and all kinds of stuff. It's, why aren't they embracing that? I don't understand why they're not trying that or doing this. And we see the tech, uh, but we're not seeing it be brought into the actual construction industry because I guess we don't have the younger people doing that. I think yeah. it's the cost of bringing the tech in. Because not only is it the tech bringing in, it's having someone that knows how to use it, and then yeah. the trial and error, the cost of repairing it. It's a lot easier now. Like when you started, you know, it was a lot, a lot harder back then, twenty years ago. Um, you know, it was just like I say, we didn't have puffer trucks when we were doing basements. Like it was, it was, you know, tailgating and wheel bearing the footings and, and everything else. No, it was hard work, but it was a different mentality back then. Like you didn't have a choice; you didn't know anything better. Um, and it, it was hard work. Like we we rocked basements with pails and shovels. I mean, it, you know, for for that's how it was. We didn't know any, and it was 
it was hard work. You're in fantastic shape. Um, yeah. So I don't you, know. you just got I it do. done. You get it. You got it done. That's all it was. You just, this, you uh, this, this yeah. is what yeah. you have to do. You get it done. That's it. But it didn't man. We had, I was working with one guy and he was, he was, I was started with Mennonites like they're from Saskatchewan, hard workers, like really hard workers. You know, it was, the harder it was, the colder it was, they, the better they loved it. <laughs> and we were working foundations and, uh, you know, and, uh, I just couldn't grasp, uh, doing doing a footing or something and he threw a sledgehammer he wasn't going to hit me he just threw a sledgehammer but that's how it was right you know you better put your head down and and get to work and uh can they, they, they just they don't understand um if you did that now you get sued Right, so, that's yeah, a whole other start. yeah that's a whole other thing i want to just talk a little bit of obc here um uh clearances around cooktops uh because you guys probably come across some of these sometimes uh framing finishes and cabinetry installed directly above the location of a cooktop must be at least 29 and a half inches above the heating elements we did this one or no we didn't do this one okay this one i'm sorry um this could be reduced by a two 23 and 5 eighths if the framing finishing and cabinetries are non-combustible uh protected by asbestos millboard or metal hood uh combustible wall framing finishes or cabinets within 17 and three quarters of the cooktop must be protected by material with fire resistant equivalent to a greater uh cooktops cook or countertop splashboards backplates cabinetry that is more than 17 and three quarter above the level of the heating elements and not directly above do not need to be protected i know there's restrictions for open flame gas versus electric or induction. Uh, but I'm sure that you guys probably have come across that a few times where you're seeing certain cooktops or kitchens that were built a certain way that uh, have some yeah. fire damage now or some cooking damage, I guess we call. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure, yeah. Especially when you're doing the hangman thing, they have a range hood and then they want a uh, over the range microwave. Well, sometimes it just doesn't work, right? Not only the electrical plug, but uh, just the clearances. Yeah, it just doesn't work. People don't understand. But we usually we always get pictures and stuff, uh, you know, uh, before that. And, uh, you know, instead of wasting our time running out there, because you get you know, 20 or 30 calls a day, you just can't go see everything. So we get pictures and, uh, yeah, we, we, we try to screen people. But, yeah, yeah, a lot of, like, different codes and, stay, and they, like, just stuff like that, electrical and everything, we try to stay... We leave it up to the professional, um, but when you're changing like the cooktops and stuff, you kind of have to know before you get there. If you do it, something happens. Well, then you're liable, right? So yeah, there is a little bit of things you got to know for sure. Absolutely, I, I had a thought to share because that's generally why I do the show. I just want to share my opinions about stuff, but I love listening to other people's opinions. But it, it came from you guys. You guys talking, and all of a sudden, I had a thought that regarding marketing and word of mouth and and it wouldn't be interesting since you guys are helping out so many people but all the trades people that are listening and they've got a they're they're contractors it just doesn't matter what it is if they're a gc or if they're a specific trade or whatever if they kind of um papered their neighborhood and just left you know like a little brochure or something like that in in, in each of these homeowners mailboxes telling them that i'm an electrician or i'm a plumber uh i'm mastered or what i'm licensed all this other stuff but the thing is that um uh, i'm willing to offer my services to help you out for like literally put a, a screwball so if they come across a homeowner that is the elderly or somebody needs a hand and they don't have a circle of construction friends or anything like that you never know you might help somebody out if you give up a few hours of your time once a week and you never know that 
connection might actually get you a job later on, but just by doing that. And if it's kind of of your travel path, if you're driving around and you come across a neighborhood and you just kind of leaf it and everyone, uh, oh, you know, I'll call this guy because I do need a hand fixing this. I need a hand doing that. And then you that might actually turn into an actual job for you later on down the line. Just a thought. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's just that marketing. And then that's, you know, the word of mouth. You know, somebody has a brochure and they, they were talking to their uh, aunt who has a great uncle that needs, you know, somebody, a light bulb change. Well, yeah, I have this brochure. Why don't you tell them to give them a call? So, yeah, that's that's all part of marketing. Word of mouth, still a word of mouth. Uh, yeah. It's also good um, when he does a job. First, you've got this great van parked in someone's driveway. And then they, when they're all done, I go around and I put door hangers around the whole block. And so it, it does work. It, <laughs> yeah, there's a certain system. I mean, the less, if you have a system, it's the less hours you have to put in doing that. Um, but yeah, no, it, yeah, it, everything works. Everything marketing works. Because, you know, it all boils down to, uh, you know, word of mouth is great, but eventually that stops. So you guys are, I mean, coming from, uh, construction getting into this are you getting a lot more satisfaction doing these projects instead of the projects that you did like that was a nice lessons learned back in, in history there but you're getting more satisfaction nowadays because you're doing these smaller jobs depending on the clientele like for the older ladies absolutely oh yeah, yeah. you know it just, it, it's just it, you just can't put a price tag on that uh, for the restoration you know honestly it was more about the you know keeping the doors open and making a buck um, you know, you have you always have to make the people happy, but the, the you know the doing a good job that's the biggest uh, satisfaction. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to hard to say because both industries have their drawbacks and you know their uh, good points too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think. With with what we're doing now, there's more people involved. Uh, so it's uh, like as far as in the office, so you have more most that you have to feed. I guess it's uh, that's stressful, but it's it's nice. It's more relaxing. It's not as rush 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 anymore like it was in the insurance industry. And you're not dealing with a lot of different sub trades, and the schedule gets all wonky. You know, people get sick for the cat. So uh, so that yeah. I don't know, it's hard to say. Both industries have are good at that. How is the competition out there? Is there a there's lot nobody. Of, there's, there's nobody. nobody. If you Google Handyman Grand Prairie, there, I think there's only three of us. Uh, one guy is semi-retired. The other guy is just by himself. It only works for uh, his clientele. And that's where the niche was. That's where the market was in Grand Prairie. But, uh, yeah. But, and, and there's always there, there's always the... Um, uh, the little guys off, you know, the Facebook, the marketplace, the Kijiji, you know, places like that. Uh, there's always going to be those guys. Um, but yeah, there's a market. There's a market for everything here. Everybody's just so busy, so so busy. It's uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. Is there? I'm kind of it, hoping. Sorry. It'll change. You know, eventually there's be more competition. You know, we expect that. Uh, but that's where the marketing stuff comes in. You got to get ready for that. Like Grand Prairie, I think Grand Prairie. Right now, I think they have projected twelve over twelve billion dollars just in this area to come in. You put in that demographics, that's a hundred and what is that, hundred and some thousand dollars per person that's coming in. You 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 if you if you compare that to Toronto, that'd be a hundred trillion dollars that'd be coming in. Uh, you know, in the kind of wow. area. So Grand, yeah. 
Grand Prairie is going to triple, I bet you, in another 20 years. It, it'll be, and just not in just Grand Prairie, because everybody comes to Grand Prairie in a hub. Our Canadian Tire is one of the biggest in, I think, if not Canada, it's the biggest. And uh, our Costco is the busiest Costco around. It's just because everybody comes into this hub. Uh, so, yeah, there is, there is going to be competition. You know, going back to what you were saying. But yeah. In the same respects, we also have the most grossing value village of all of them. So, really? like, you know, you have the have, but you also have people that are coming in with low income families and stuff like that too. Wherever there's a boom, there's always you're always going to get that, right? There's always you know there are always the, the extremes. Uh, but anyway, yeah. But going back to the competition, not not a whole lot. Is there a lot of uh, negotiating? Do you guys have, or or that you guys have a price and that's set, and when it comes in, or do the clients still try to negotiate it down? Because I can like that's marketplace and Kijiji. Actually, you might as well just change those names to negotiating. That's all it is, right? So I, I I'm hoping that you guys are not having to fight that battle. I wish my daughter could be on here. She does all of that. Okay, so she handles it. There's negotiating, but I mean, we could, you know, instead of us doing, you know, giving you a uh, a $300 faucet, well, you know, maybe we'll give you a $150 faucet. Negotiate because the price is, you know, it keeps, it takes money to keep the lights on, keep the doors open. And really at the end of the day, the profit margins, you know, it's it's not that we're doing this for 20 years. We know, you got to know your numbers, what right? You got to know where you're at. So if you want to negotiate, it's got to, it's got to reflect somewhere. What about the crappy door? Yeah, the crappy, the crappy door. You guys had to install a door. You said to get not the crappy one. She got the crappy one. Oh, it's just yeah. There's a lot of that too, but it, it mostly by the hour when it comes to that. Uh, well, I don't really like saying by the hour, but um, uh, if they don't like the price, well, then I, there's really no place to go. I don't. I don't want to be that that guy though, but. Um, Really, there's no, no negotiation. Well, because uh, yeah, you guys are already you you know what it costs. Like you guys have done this before, so you're already going in, and that's the fair market value. There, we're not trying to gouge you, or we're not trying to underbid us. We're giving you a fair price. Yes, we're actually under what other people around here would charge in that field. Like because they do so many different genres. Like they're in any job, they could be doing electrician work, they could be doing regular carpenter work, all of it. So you go hire an electrician, you're going to be paying way more than what you're paying us. Go hire a charter. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, a plumber? Definitely. Not necessarily if it's because the electrician and the plumber, they're going to be a lot faster. They come with a van full of equipment and tools, whereas you know, we come in, uh, you know, for not, well, we don't really do a whole lot of wiring and everything, but um, yeah, there's not really, like our, our prices are both the same on par with, you know, electricians and, and plumbers in our area. Uh, but where we shine is, you know, we can install a door or hook up a light or paint that wall. So we can do a lot of things. Uh, whereas if you, if you hire a, uh, a carpenter to just hang one door, we well, probably won't find unless it's their uncle or, you know, phone an electrician, electrical company to hang a light. Well, they're not going to be bothered to come and hang a light. So, um, yeah, there are prices there, but they're both they're pretty much the same where, where it gets a little tricky is people buy their own materials. You know, they, they don't understand, well, this, this is going to take a lot longer because what you bought is, is, is shit. Yes. Right. So, but that's where all the pictures and stuff come in beforehand. Uh, so we always, we always call people, um, 
the week before and just make sure that everything they have is good. So, but you know, like it doesn't matter what you, what you charge. You, you, you got to know your numbers. You got to know what it costs to run a business. And uh, at the end of the day, electricians and plumbers, like they're not going to, they're, they're a mom and pop shop. They're not going to become millionaires overnight. Right? They know, they, they know what it's going to cost and they've got, they got to keep the wheel spinning and, and you know the price of fuel has tripled. Everything's been is going up and up, and the prices have to reflect that. And sometimes people don't understand that, right? So, I, I wanted to ask you guys the two employees that you have. Uh, where did you find them? Was it hard to find well, them? Because Grand Prairie is so small, uh, we just we just do them from uh, uh, word of mouth, I guess. Yeah, uh, we had uh, we had an ad. Out in, in Indeed, I don't know if they have Indeed out yep. there, but yeah, we found one, and we we knew who he was. We didn't realize he was looking for a job. Uh, and another guy uh, was from a friend. He was driving by our shop. This we've just changed our name from our old company to the Handyman. Uh, he was driving by our shop, and he seen our sign. Uh, so he phoned us. Didn't know who we were. He phoned us. I knew who he was, and I knew he was a great guy. And that's where we found him. Um, and then yeah, everything else is through Indeed, basically. Yeah, indeed, or worth the most. Nice. And how is it working with the building officials there? Is it pretty smooth, or is it a pain, or for what? Sorry, for building for what? I guess when you were doing like bigger projects, or even if you get a bigger project, then you got to get a permit, or you got to deal with building offices. How is it there? Yeah, it's good. It's good. They're getting a little tighter, which I think they should. Um, trying to schedule them in is a little hard. You know, they just kind of show up whenever they want. They know. You know the day, but uh, where we do like we're in people's home, we, we can't just leave the door unlocked. So we sometimes we have to wait for them. We had to wait for them for a whole day, just you know, for for uh, uh, an inspector. And I get that, you know, they're busy. Um, but yeah, for the most part, they're easy to deal with. Uh, I think for the building inspectors uh, on residential is uh, a lot easier. You know, they work with you. They understand. You know, a lot of it's grandfathered in the older home, especially with insurance. And everything else, everything's got to be kept safe. But yeah, no, it's it's actually pretty good, and it's so small. You know, you know, you wave at them on the street. You know who they are. There's not a very, there's not a whole lot of them around. Um, but you know, just from you know, listening to other podcasts with like Jim Carrick and stuff yeah. like that, it's not like that. Not like that. Like it's not. They're not. They're not assholes. You know, they, we got to live in the same place, right? So everybody knows where they live, so they got to be pretty nice. That's what you when you first started. Like he has a really good rapport with him from the years of doing the insurance work and whatnot. And so he knows him all by first name. We all know him by first name. They were so, at the beginning, they were they were not that happy. They were not that <clears throat> amicable. But now because they know Jay and they know he's no bullshit, he always gets permits, so he's on ball. So he does have that really good rapport with him. Yeah, I guess in the beginning. Yeah, I guess if they don't know you, they can be, you know, just to just get that. You know, this is who I am, and this is what we expect, kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess you're right. But we did do a, we uh, we did the foundation in one of the inspectors' house, what uh, 2005. Uh, great guy, hard worker. He's from the Navy. He's retired now. Uh, so we got to know him really good and understood what, you know, what what he went through. And because there's so many things that he sees, I just I just couldn't imagine. I wouldn't want to be an inspector. There's no way. It's like a police officer. It'd be, you'd become hardened, you know, after a while. I think, how was it out there? 
Uh, you get uh, you get a nice little cross section of different kinds of people. I've only rubbed uh, maybe two inspectors in all the years that I've rubbed the wrong way, uh, or they rub me the wrong way, or whatever you want, how you want. But I, for the most part, I've got along with all of them. I just there's. I show them respect right off the start and then we get going and we problem solve and we just move forward there. Um, you know, I get, I get into trouble with younger ones that want to, for whatever stupid reason, try to prove that they're smarter than you or they know more about the building than you. And, and I'm like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to express to you. I'm just telling you that you're wrong. And then here you go. This is what I'm saying. You're wrong. And then now you want to waste my time. So then I have to prove that you're wrong. And then you don't get an apology from it because they just move on. But if you cross paths with them again, then, you know, there's that kind of uh, aura at that point. But I mean, for the most part, I would say like 99% of them, they're, they're solid people. They're, they know what they're doing. They, they know what they're, they're familiar with what you're doing or what you have to do. And a lot of them know that, you know, as being the GC, you've got so many things going on. You know, you're trying to be safe. You're trying to be smart. You're trying to be efficient. You're trying to run this. You're trying to deliver. You're trying to do all these things. And then you're trying to build within uh, the code. You're trying to build safe. Uh, so they, they know that. Most of them do. But you do get the one. And it's no different than construction. You know what I mean? We, we've got great apples and we got really bad apples in this industry. So, Right. Yeah. And you still got to make a living. I mean, their decisions affect your paycheck. It doesn't affect theirs. Right. Whereas here, I think all the inspectors we have have all been in the uh construction industry like they've all been in a really? trade probably been in yeah. i think yeah i think we have Sorry, that yeah. one, one girl. oh the girl she was she was working for a building so yeah so that's different their mindset is different they get it they understand what the trades people have to go through and they, they work with them you know for the most part what happens is when we've had uh jobs where you know where it took them a long time for a year and uh they've had to the codes have changed yeah right it's then especially you know the barriers in between buildings and stuff so that i mean things we have to do that but i mean really we've only run into that with insurance and insurance they would just tap it onto the bill and they would just say yeah well that's the way it is we'll pay for it so we have never really experienced um you know i couldn't imagine being a home builder especially during covid with all the prices changing all the time fluctuating and you're kind of setting that price when an inspector comes in saying, no, 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 that's not right this year. You have to change that. Well, they got to cut, they got to eat that cost. That's got to be hard. So, it is. Yeah. Whereas us, inspectors are great to deal with. Um, but yeah. Cool. Let, guys, let me do a little bit of Green Book Talk here. Uh, it's always fun-loving Green Book Talk. Injury statistics in the interior finishing industry, 2015 to 2019, as reported by IHSA. Workers aged 25 to 34 are injured the most which, funny enough, is the pool that we want getting into this industry, uh, including MSDs. They aren't just experienced by older people. I know that we get the old dogs uh, that do get into trouble sometimes because they're set in their ways and they want to do things without certain things. The most common incidences in uh, places uh, are, uh, sorry, most common incident places is Ontario. Uh, in Ontario are Toronto, Vaughan, Ottawa, Mississauga, and London, making up 40% of all reported incidents. Most injuries are sprains, strains, tears, followed by fractures and cuts and lacerations. Most injuries occur in the back, uh, 11%. Fingers, 10%. Knees, 8%. Most injuries are the result of falling, 30%, and overexertion, 16%. 
we know it's construction. We know there's a risk. We know there's a bunch of stuff. So we were just asking everybody to be careful, take your time. No running in construction. That's what I've always said. There's no reason to be running at all, right? So um, that's it. I, ju I just, sorry? I think, I think that age group just gets cocky. You can well, say so it. If I say it, I get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times it's, it's the younger guys. And, you know, we've, we've all been there. We, we started, we, we get hurt. It seemed like more. Just not that long ago, Jay had, had a near-death experience. Some guy dropped a bundle of shingles down from the roof, like almost like inches away from his head. Just coming out of the front door. But that's just stupid, right? <laughs> that's just, yeah, things like that. This is common sense. And it's just, yeah. How old was the guy that dropped him? He was young. Yeah. Wow. 20. What was what would yeah. the reasoning be for dropping a bundle of shingles from a roof? There's no reason. Trying to be to... Doorway. Trying to be faster. They have just extra shingles. I mean, the ladder was right there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a little. Yeah. He got let go. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. I, I had my I had, I had to voice an opinion on that one. <laughs> so yeah. well, as you but, should have, yeah, for sure. It's good that the uh, now. In Toronto, is it because there's more people in Toronto? Is that why a lot of injuries happen there, or is it? I I think that there's a lot of cut corners. I think that uh, I I mean like and and I'm I'm to blame as well too. Like hard hats are on my side all the time, and the thing is, but I don't see everybody, including myself. I'm not always wearing a hard hat, but obviously, if we see the Ministry of Labor shows up, uh, an inspector shows up, yeah, sure, the hard hat's right there in arm's reach, and we throw it on, we put it on, and we have a conversation. Uh, for the most part, outside of the painters, because the painters are real cowboys of construction, everybody's wearing safety footwear. You know, painters, for whatever reason, love their Crocs and they just love wearing those things. And there's no such thing as steel toe Crocs. And so it doesn't exist. Um, but I mean, it, that's that's the extent of it. Do a lot of companies do their toolbox talk at the start of the day? No. Uh, if they are doing it, do they pay attention to it? No. Like, I mean, it's just like we're, we're not perfect, but we're also still trying to be safe as well, too. I, I think that we just have a bigger spotlight on, on our projects. And plus, your neighborhoods, depending on the neighbor that you're working in, if you got an, you know, an a-hole neighbor or whatever, they might speak up and make a phone call. I mean, I've been called on several times for things that I wasn't doing anything wrong. And they still have to show up because if, uh, if a homeowner or somebody in the neighborhood makes that phone call or sends that email, the city has to send somebody. You know, somebody has to be sent there. That's just a fact. So if they're going to get sent there, they're going to have to have a conversation with you. So then you have a conversation with them and that's it. And you go from there. Um, for the most part, I mean, I mean, I've had MOL on my job sites before. I've had warnings. Uh, you know, it's not that I was like, it, it was warnings because nobody had hard hats on. That was the warning, right? And I'm like, they're all right there. You know what I mean? We, we get it. So am I perfect? Hell no, right? But am I doing things that are completely dangerous? No, I would never allow anybody to throw a bundle of shingles off the roof. That person would go home like right away. Like that's not, I would never accept that. So, I mean, there's being safe and then there's being stupid. And then I, I think it's a level of respect. I think everybody on the crew, you hire the perfect first string team. And as long as they all respect each other, then you're you're respecting their lives as much as you're respecting your life. And then you do a good day and everybody gets to go home. That's it. Everybody gets to go home, right? And it becomes just a part of life. Remember, I remember when seatbelt became mandatory, you know, you feel this thing. Now, now you don't wear it and it feels like you're naked. It does. Right? So it's just got to get used to it. Masks, you know, masks been, you know, for so long once you take it off, especially in wintertime, it's a uh, feel different. You feel naked, you feel cold. So yeah, I just got to get used to it and just abide by the rule. More people are getting hurt nowadays. 
uh, so it's good. It's good they're you know tidying up. Maybe not to sometimes extreme that they do, but um, it gets that mindset happening and uh, you know play it safe. He dropped an eye beam on my head. We haven't always played it safe. <laughs> that was first started. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, thanks for bringing that. You're <laughs> it, it looked like Wendy wanted to tell me something that happened that she was just getting off her chest. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were just patting an eye when you're making uh, the warehouse into like office space. It's probably the only time the whole job I should have wore a hard hat, uh -huh. but I was just keeping a scaffolding still, and it came down and hit me in the head, hit the scaffold, and it hit my shoulder. It was, yeah, everyone at that at that workplace, I they took me like Jay drove me to the hospital. Like, I didn't want to go, but I had to go. They left that site exactly as it was in case it became a scene, a crime scene. <laughs> when we first started, yeah, anyway, it's good yeah. it didn't get to that point. Hopefully, it didn't get to that point, right? No, no yeah. it was. I was fine. I'm a German girl. My head's hard. <laughs> All right, guys, we, we just got the last segment to do. So everyone, uh, 780 Handyman, www.780handyman.com, and it's gp at 780handyman.com, and it's on Instagram, 780handyman, Grand Prairie. Uh, did we cover I think we covered a lot, man. Was there anything that we missed you guys wanted to bring up? Any other shout-outs? Uh, Does yeah, your daughter want to say hello, just kind of do a little sneak peek? Or she's too busy? She's, she's, she's upstairs. upstairs. She's, okay. on, she's on the Okay. Yeah. All right. You've mentioned yeah. her so many times, right? Yeah. She's, she's an awesome girl. Awesome girl. You know, I just want to do a shout out to all the all the trades out there just starting up. Um, a lot of the, you know, the new new guys that are thinking about going out on their own. You know, know your numbers, and just do it. Like, just you know, it, as long as it doesn't affect your family or you know negatively. Um, if you got the if you got the attitude and, and the gumption, gumption to 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 start on your own uh, and the knowledge, just do it. You know, don't look back. And when we did, I mean, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. You know, uh, but uh, yeah. Good for you guys. Good. All right, so let's do let's do the twelve questions, guys. You guys are uh, you're familiar with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we'll go one by one. Uh, what is your favorite construction word? Under budget. Mine is uh, would be craftsman. You know, I love to see that fine finishing uh, and people that are that enjoy and love what they do, like like a finisher doing carol molding or something. You know, it's just I love to see that. I personally couldn't do it, uh, but yeah. Trust me, it took a while for me to figure it out and a lot of cursing. I Okay, shout out to myself. I make amazing burn style doors. Really? I uh, I went through some experience with my mother. She uh, she got developed dementia, so I had to do something to keep myself from going crazy at the same time. And I learned how to make these amazing burn style doors. So yeah, I, from scratch, like I was playing the wood together, the wood I do it all. We follow loft doors, like you had them on. Yeah, your, yeah, on yeah, pocket. yeah. He's, he's great. Yes, I know. He's great. He's always got a yeah. bunch of great ideas. And same with Steve and Jen. They've got a bunch of great ideas as well, yeah. too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Reach out. Have you reached out to them? Reach out to them. Sure. Okay, we will. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, I don't, sure. yeah we will. We'll, we'll say that Manny told us. To. <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? Oops. Uh, mine would be hack. Hack. <laughs> 
What turns you on in construction, guys? The quick drive drill. There's a story behind that. Yeah. Uh, there's a story behind that? Okay. Why? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I have an idea. Okay. <laughs> we were uh, listening to the radio, and the DJ was saying something about how women don't like power tools for gifts. And I like, was like, what? <laughs> uh, so I got, I was mad. So I called the radio station. And I was like, don't be saying that shit. Like, no way. Like, I'll tell you one thing. I get some power tools, and he called sex toys. Because just remembering that he got them for me gets him some. And they played it on the radio for days afterwards. <laughs> we, we used to do those decks. Remember the saying that we used to do the basement, then we got into the decks for the builders. And, and peasant. Well, we used to build all the decks. And her job was to screw the deck down. Well, we, we started building a lot of the decks, so I bought her a quick drive drill. After I quit. To put these, uh, to screw these deck, uh, decks down. And yeah, she phoned the radio station uh, saying that she got a sex toy. It's quick drive drill. But... Uh, <laughs> My, uh, my, what turns you on to construction is architecture, the old European architecture. Did you see that's just, that's amazing. That's, you know, going back to the cross. We went yeah. to Europe and uh, talk, took a look at some of the stuff firsthand and up close. It was, it was breathtaking. It was just amazing. And how they do it there is just. Do you, do you do what I do? And I just stand there and I try to study how they built it, how they put it together. And, and you're still trying to figure out how they did that, how, how it was possible. We saw some construction. He just I ran know. right up. I know. I know. Yeah. What uh, What turns you off in construction? Me would be mud, mud, jumbo. You know, working in the in the mud, in the rain. Yeah. 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 Said, you know, your boots become twenty pounds heavier, and it's just you don't really get much done. Cold yeah. and wet. Cold and wet and yeah. heavy boots. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is the same That's, too, Wendy. Yeah. What's your favorite curse word, guys? Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. My favorite curse word? Fuck yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle? The Ford F-150. Lariat. <laughs> what year? What color? Well, I like the white ones because good guys have white horses. And one I'm, I'm fond of is the 2011. Uh, my Lamborghini Murcielago. I think that's his Murcielago. Yeah, yeah. That's you know cool. the, the Lamborghinis. All the all yeah. the cars are named after a bull. Yeah, yeah. Except the Mur well, Murcielago too, but it's also uh, Spanish word for bat. Murcielago because the bat wings. Yeah, it's just unique. I've always liked the Lamborghinis. He's a much safer driver than I. Am. I've killed myself. <laughs> that's why you need the Ford. That's right. <laughs> They're really hard to roll. For a quick reason there, and I'm not implying anything, but I just pictured the driveway from uh, War of the Roses and uh, her pickup truck driving over his Morgan uh, when they were getting into a fight. I don't know if you guys remember that because you've got a Lamborghini and she's got a pickup truck. So you could easily drive right over that Lambo, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is your least favorite vehicle? Nissan Cube. Yeah, that, that one's been shared quite a bit. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, you know, sure it has. It's it's for that specific person. Uh, up here, it's all trucks. It's all mostly trucks. Everybody drives a truck because the weather and you're in the field. Yeah, Nissan Cube. Uh, no, I uh, I don't really have one because any vehicle you own is actually freedom. So whatever vehicle, as long as it runs, it's a good one. Good. 
Uh, what construction sound or noise do you guys hate? Love. Sorry, love. I love the old school noise of the hammer hitting a nail. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just bought a, one of the Milwaukee framing nails. Yep. That, that's the coolest sound ever. Does it? I, heard it I don't even know what it sounds like. What does it sound like? It's, it sounds like uh, the old Star Wars. Um, oh, it's got a little... Uh, yeah, like a laser shooting. It's like a piston shoot, laser or something. Okay, that's a battery yeah. one. That's a battery one. That's a battery one. Yeah. yeah, it sounds it sounds awesome. What construction sound or noise do you guys hate? <laughs> Router hitting a screw. Yeah, uh, my, it's ear piercing. Yep. Maybe like I don't know, depending on what the person's eating, the fart. <laughs> <laughs> What profession other than your own would you guys like to attempt one day? Um, I like to be, I like to surfer, you know, I like to be a surfer, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I like to try that. I don't know if it's an occupation, but more of a way of life, but yeah, I like to be a surfer. Wendy? Very yeah. paint artist. <laughs> what profession do you guys never want to do? Well, it's funny. One of my best uh, podcasts that she had was was a lawyer that was on there. Okay, um, yeah. I would hate to be a lawyer, yeah. but I love podcasts because it was it's to the point and it's, it's how it is. I can. I have no idea. There's. I would think running a day home for bad children. <laughs> it's tough. Patience. Tough. Tough. Uh, last question. If heaven exists, what would you guys like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, we had, we had our, my dad came up to, you know, we had to hire him, you know, to, to, to do the handyman stuff. He passed away he had cancer and stuff. So what I'd like to hear is, uh, you know, you, your dad's got a beer sitting at the bar waiting for you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's nice. we still have his hat sitting up on the, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. overhead. Yeah, that's what nice. looking at. And Wendy? We've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Honestly, making the time and, and having a chat with you guys. And uh, all the best in the future. And uh, please stay in yeah. touch and definitely reach out. I, I've been noticing a lot of people listen to shows and then they'll reach out to people and just start a conversation. And uh, and everybody that's been on the show has been very receptive with it too as well. So they, they encourage it. They enjoy it. They they like sharing and talking. So it's a nice little community that we're growing here, which is great. And, I, and I'm welcome to the community, right? So it's I'm, I'm so glad that you guys were on. Thank you so yeah, much for having us. Anybody can give us a call anytime. We'd love to you know have a, have a chat. Uh, and thanks for your show. Like it's been yeah. so inspiring, thanks. you know, ever since the first podcast to to now. Uh, yeah, thank you. I even got your sticker on our doors and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Thanks, guys. Sorry, Wendy. What was that? Sorry, I have your fridge magnets on my fridge. Oh, nice, cool, very, very cool. Everybody, check them out again. Triple W seven eight zero handyman dot com and his GP at seven eight zero handyman dot com and on Instagram is seven eight zero handyman Grand Prairie. Jason and Wendy, thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Before you guys, oh no, no, I'll do it afterwards. But don't hang up. But uh, we'll just say goodbye and then thank you, Angelina. I think we're gone. Thanks so much. Guys.